Horn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Joe and Nick with you on a Tuesday. We think we're going to be Tuesday boys from now on, Nick. 2024 is the year of evolution. And why fight it, Joe? Let's evolve. So much to get to on this episode. Breaking news. Tyrrell Hatton going to live. Nick Dunlap also takes the money, but from the PGA Tour. Anthony Kim is making a comeback. We'll blow through those, and then we'll get to the meat of the podcast. Nick went to Orlando at the PGA show. We had a false start. We did record live from Orlando, but unfortunately, the guest Wi-Fi in Nick's hotel wasn't quite good enough. We we thought maybe we were going to fight through it, but it didn't work out, so that one's going to be lost into the ether. It was still fun, though, Nick. Just a little bit of a breakfast ball here. Hey, no, no worries. Now all the pressure's on. I can't start with a nine. My God, let's steer this thing in the fairway. <laughs> I know. Seriously. A reminder to please rate and review the podcast Canada. I see you up there listening to us. Let us know how we're doing. I, I love your your I love your country. Been to been to Calgary, Vancouver. There's talk of a Montreal trip, maybe in the not too distant future. Yeah, pretty excited about that. Thank you for listening, Canada, and wherever you are. Let's start briefly with Nick Dunlap. Fortunately, our previous episode didn't record because at the time, the hot issue was, what is this guy going to do? So if the name Nick Dunlap, you don't know who the hell that is. He is the amateur who won the American Express Championship a few weeks ago, got his tour card through 2026 if he exercised the option. At the time we recorded, he had not done that. Nick, he did take the money. He's a PGA Tour member making his debut as such this week at Pebble Beach. Smart man. I mean, he he must have been listening to the episode that wasn't because I think both you and I were like, you know, it it's an inevitability that he's going to do this. So what's the point of delaying? Nick, congratulations. Best of luck in your basically three PGA Tour seasons um, that you get before you have to worry about keeping your card. Yeah, I, I think that... Um... It was it was the wise decision. I'm glad he did it. It was tough to think of an argument for him staying an amateur when he did everything he could to secure his status as a professional. And as we said, he wasn't going to be a chemist after winning a PGA Tour event. So pro golf was going to be the thing that he did. Excited to see how he does. Other bit of news. Tyrrell Hatton leaving the PGA Tour, getting something in the neighborhood of $60 million to join John Rahm's team. Um, my reaction is, all right. Guy still trying to get money. That's cool. Cash it while you can because these live offers are probably going to disappear more and more as we get closer to whatever the post-merger of the PGE Tour and Live World looks together. Um, but really, my first thought, the most immediate thought is um, Live Boys are going to be led on the Ryder Cup because ain't no way Europe is going to Bethpage without Tyrrell and without John Rahm. Yeah, definitely. And, and John Rahm paving the way for that because he's the number one. Like, if Chiro went first and, and Rom was still a tour member, Team Europe is saying, that's fine, that's okay, we can weather that storm. But Rom going first paves the way for guys yeah. like Chiro to, to know that they're going to have a path to the Ryder Cup. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's five big points that they got last fall that uh, they need to replace. And I think it would just be easier to say, you know what, we were wrong. Um, you guys can play in the next Ryder Cup coming up in New York. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, most salaciously, 
It was reported by Dylan, I think it's Dether, of Golf Magazine that Anthony Kim, golf's Sasquatch, is planning to make a return to professional golf either on the PGA Tour or live. Kim said he would do either. Nick, I'll I'll get into the nitty-gritty and kind of the background, but what was your first reaction when you heard this? Um... You know, I, I mean, it's it's cool. It gets cool golf news that we don't really get this time of year. Um, it's it's a very fragile thing because if he comes back and it does not live up to the hype, which there's like a ninety nine percent chance that's going to be the outcome. Um, you know, we're going to be kind of let down, and then Anthony Kim will no longer be this like storied what if. So it's it's like an answer to a question that we've been begging for, but we probably don't actually want. Yeah, I think that's right. Initially, my reaction was the same as everybody's like, oh my God, this is actually going to happen. This is something that has been joked about on social media for a decade now. Um, and then I kind of landed where you did. So for folks that aren't familiar, here's sort of like a, a three-minute synopsis of the whole Anthony Kim situation. So Kim... Last competed in 2012. He was 26 years old. He pulled out of the Wells Fargo Championship, citing injury, excuse me. Insurance policy from Kim's playing days is worth around $10 million. So that would be voided if he came back. And that's always sort of been the thing. Anthony Kim never wanted to make a comeback because he had this fat insurance policy and he could just chill and be a millionaire at that. So Anthony Kim, who is he? What is the whole thing? So cult hero when he played, hard partying, flashy he won his first pga tour event at age 22 won a second one a couple months later made his Ryder cup debut that year michael jordan was an assistant captain on the Ryder cup team and him and ak were really good fast friends he capped off the week by kicking the shit out of sergio garcia in singles five and four holding the american flag so imagine this he's 22 got the seal of approval from jordan he wins twice parties all night with MJ, comes out, beats up Sergio. Like, that in itself makes you a cult hero, and that's what the Anthony Kim legend was. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, was that when he he wins the match and he was so focused on, like, literally the next shot that, like, picked up his ball and was, like, going off to the next tee, and they're like, yo, AK, you just just closed out the match. Like, he didn't even realize he just won five and four. He was just like, all right, just hold a clutch putt, go into the next tee. Like, he was in such game mode. And that was like, that was like a true peek behind the curtain that you don't really get in golf because like you can't fake a moment like that. That's exactly right. And it's these sorts of stories that continued to build the legend. Another great story, which you didn't have captured here, but it reminded me now. He beat Robert Allenby, the Australian, in the President's Cup. And after he beat Robert Allenby, Allenby like went to the media and bitched about Anthony Kim because he was out partying all night beforehand. And it's like, why would you? Comp- that is so embarrassing for you. To lose to a guy decisively and then complain about his partying, you might remember Robert Allenby was the guy who um, had the big incident where, I can't even remember the details, but he got he pretended he was mugged or something, when in reality he got in a bar fight. Just a really weird, sordid pass with that. But again, more Anthony Kim legend growing. He went to uh, Augusta National as number six in the world. He set a master's record. He made 11 birdies in one round. At Augusta, shot 65, and everyone's like, okay, this is the area. He had the approval from MJ, which of course means you have the approval from Tiger, Barkley. You're in that inner sanctum at 22. Like, that's pretty rare air. Think about someone like Jordan Spieth, but cool as shit. 
That's that's kind of what you had with Anthony Kim. Not necessarily the level of like majors, but certainly heading that direction. Now, the caveat with Anthony Kim is there were a lot of injuries kind of after that point. He had kind of a bulky driver. He competed, but he had two sort of injury-laden seasons in 11 and 12. That's when the insurance policy took flight, and that's when he sort of left the tour. And not just leave the tour, he didn't, like, go into the booth. He essentially disappeared from sight, disappeared from social media, never engaged from it. There was a video of him, like, at someone's backyard barbecue with long hair. And I remember we freaked out about that. I think that was last summer. So I think a lot of – and and. Certainly a lot of think pieces have come out between when this was announced and now about is this really what we want? Is this is this good for Anthony Kim? Is this good for golf? And I think it's somewhere in between. Yes, I will be very, very glued to the TV for his first couple of starts just to see what it's going to be like. Does he have any sort of form? Is it going to be a complete disaster? He'll get sponsors exemptions because the initial curiosity will be so high that it's going to be maybe not necessarily appointment viewing, but if you're into golf, it will be appointment viewing to see what it's like. Is it going to be a train wreck? Is it going to be okay? It'll probably be somewhere in the middle of those two things, but the legend has built so much, and I'm curious to see what happens. It's his decision. You know, PGA, live, whatever he decides to do, I'll probably watch for a little bit, and then he'll probably just be a 38-year-old golfer. He's 38 now. Only three guys are in his age range in the top 30 in the world. So it's not like there's a lot of guys around 40 that are really, really good golfers. What do you think? Do you think this is the good move? Are you going to, because you famously don't really watch televised golf besides the majors. So like, is this something you're going to say? No, I got to watch Anthony Kim. He's playing today. I'm going to set aside an hour. Um, well, I can't. I can't commit to setting aside an hour, but I can. I can say yes. I would put that on somewhere in the background. I would. I would definitely check it out if I couldn't like be in front of the TV. You know, it's going to dominate social media. Like I would be tuned in in some way, shape, or form to what's going on. I can't say that like I'm going to tell my family to go to the mall for the next two hours and like just leave me alone. But yeah, I would definitely be tuned in live in. Some way, shape, or form. So, as of this recording, we don't know where he's going to play, if he's going to play. It's just, this is the strongest reporting and indication that we've gotten that he's actually going to come back and play professional golf. So, something to monitor as we flip into February. Okay, enough of that aspect of the pro game. Nick, you took a sojourn to Orlando, Florida, you were at the PGA Merchandise Show. You had a lot to share the other day. I don't know if you want to try to recreate that magic. How do you want to go about this today? Yeah, we'll just, I mean, it, it will definitely not be recreated. Like, you know when when you're in high school and you study for a big test and you take the test, and then you instantly just, like, forget all the information in the test because yeah. you no longer need it. So that's that's what this was. So. Certainly will not be recreating it, but um, we'll see if we could do a little bit better. I, I do have some notes and some takeaways from the PGA show. Um, a couple of things I was doing down there. Number one, I was checking out the training aids. I got to tell people what is going to make their game better, what's not going to make their game better. I was also checking out a lot of putters. Putters are like fascinating to me because you've got your big name brand putters, you know, you've got your Odyssey AI hot smoke putters, you've got your Scotty Camerons, but you also have these 
putters that you've never heard of that are really, really good and really cool. And for some reason, there's like this niche underground market of putters where they're like performance is just as good. Like they don't have to be a driver and like bomb at 300 plus yards. Like for some reason, like putters can be made like handcrafted one-offs and still be really cool. So I wanted to check out as many of the putters as I possibly could. Um, Black market so putters? It, it sounds like you're, yeah. you're talking about black market putters. You got to go in the deep web to find these things or to Orlando. Well, no, you just like you just have to have to search a little bit harder than like Golf Galaxy. But like you sure. and I could form a, a putter manufacturing company and like have something oh. super cool and super functional in like 24 months. Probably not that we're going to do that, but like people do that and it, it's pretty cool. And I, I think it's I think it's really cool. The biggest takeaway when it comes to putters. I touched on this a little bit earlier this year. Maybe it's the year of putter fitting. But, Joe, it is 2024. Can we all commit to not playing an ill-fit putter in 2024? I can't no longer. There's no longer an excuse to be playing the wrong putter in 2024. First of all, there, there are so many types of putters out there. In every putter, there is an option to get it fit for every stroke type. So what I mean by that is some people have a straight back and straight through pendulum putting stroke. Some people's putting stroke is on a complete arc. Some people's putting stroke is on a shallower arc. No matter what your stroke is, there is a putter for your stroke. And just to clarify, like not every putter fits every type of stroke. Like some putters work with a certain stroke. Some putters work against a certain stroke. So all I am imploring you and our audience to do is number one, figure out what stroke shape you have if you don't already know which is super easy we all have iphones like just film your putting stroke from like a desk and see what it does so real uh, quick number, just to yeah. pause there on number one so there's two types of strokes there's square to square and open to shut is, is that basically it that's it okay number two number two find the putter that fits your stroke so the type of neck that your putter has whether it's like a, a plumber's neck or like what does a that mean bend, like a, a a plumber's neck is like it looks like some some weird piping coming off of like the shaft that connects the shaft to the putter head. There's like a, a single bend or a double bend or like a straight neck. Those all relate to a different amount of toe hang. So okay. I don't want to get too crazy. We talked putter fitting last we last did. week, but the bottom line is just just take like 15 minutes out of your life before the golf season. Trust me, it's going to be worth it. And match up the putting stroke you have to the putter profile that your putter is. It will be worth it. it I, I promise you it will be worth it. The reason that made me think of this is like a bunch of these one-off putter companies that I've kind of was visiting. They like, they're like, Hey man, like our putter is completely modular. Like you can, you can literally build the putter to fit your stroke. Like there, there's, you don't have to do that, but there's all these like crazy things out there where you can like get a putter and it comes with like three different necks and you, you like, fit it to your stroke and there's like a big grid and you can like literally have it dialed in or like 36,000 combinations. It's, it's pretty fascinating. Not everybody wants to do that. And then I also went to the ping booth. I was, I was stroking some of the new answer putters. They're really awesome. Ooh. The ping rep pulled out an iPod touch in this little cradle that he stuck on the shaft and pulled open the iPing putter fitting app. And I hit literally three 10 foot putts and I, he spit out like eight data points of like the exact, putter profile that i should have which was like it just opened my eyes like gosh it's so easy to find 
a good putter for your game. You know, so, iPods, just real quick, iPods were only discontinued in 2022. So, you know, that could have been a relatively new product. Well, the app is from forever ago. The reason why this guy had an iPod is because, like, the caveat to this app that anybody in the world have has access to is, like, in order for it to be functional, you have to find a way to mount this app and the device that it's on to your putter shaft. And Ping either partnered it. with somebody or made a cradle that would like connect to your shaft that fit like iPod four, iPod touch. Yeah. But it was, it was a rigid thing. It, it wasn't adjustable. And now the phones have changed sizes and whatever they stopped supporting it. So it's not so easy to connect a phone to a shaft, but if you're resourceful, if you want to be a little MacGyver out there, the ping, the iPing putter fitting app hit, hit three putts with that thing. And it will spit out like a perfect putter for you. And I, I guarantee you it'll probably save you one or two strokes per side. Hey, if that's not what you're into, fine. That's your prerogative. But it is 2024. It is time to stop playing an ill-fit putter just because we made a few strokes. We made a few putts with it in Golf Galaxy, and it was on sale. I love I love this bit for you in 2024. You're just Nikki Cameron. Just You're all about putters. <laughs> Nikki Cameron. I, I love, love it. it. Hey, that's a good nickname. <laughs> <laughs> off, off the course, I'm Nikki Cameron. On the course, I'm. Uh, it's a different story. You're, you're still Nikki Ice on the course, for sure. Nikki Six, yeah. So, no, okay. <laughs> we got... We got... We got the putters. We're going to get fit for a putter. Everybody but Joe Simons, go out and get fit Joe. for your putter. Look, I had if a round had with guess, 20. If you had to guess right now, what is your putting stroke shape? Is it, is it straight or is it arced? Oh, I'm square to square. I sure? yeah. okay. Well, because I have a pop stroke. I'm always putting best when I have a pop stroke. When my <laughs> No, no, I'm serious. It's a pop stroke. Think think Arnold Palmer, think Brant Snedeker, some of the great champions of our day. All hmm. I'm trying to do is take the no, putter no back. No tempo. Just... 100%. All uh, Nick, when when my backstroke is short, I am putting my best. I'm trying to take all the variance out of what's going on in the Think of the opposite of Willie Z. I'm trying to not have it be fluid. I'm trying to go back short and accelerate through. I'm trying to pop that thing into the hole. Aggressive. Aggressive. I'm not changing my putter. But everyone else, listen to Nick. So there were training aids out there. Okay. I've got a, I've got a, uh, a saying here, Joe, and you can let me know if it's if it's going to stick or if I just need to crumple it up and, and throw it in the trash. I can't wait. Are you ready? Don't complain. Gain. This is in reference to the rollback. The rollback era is coming, but we still have time. It's not too late. I'm tired of hearing people say... USGA is stealing my yards. No. You know what the USGA is doing? They're stealing your playing partner's distance. You have the opportunity to gain all of it back and more and seriously gain an advantage. You remember when Brooks was talking about going into a major championship and not having to beat like three quarters of the field because they were already complaining with the course setup and they'd already taken themselves out of it? That's essentially what the rollback is. And I, I, the more I kind of engage with this and think about it and, and, and dive a little deeper, the more I'm in favor of the rollback because instead of instead of everybody just being entitled to distance, the USGA is simply making the people who want it earn it. And it's not really that hard to earn it with like literally, I don't know, 30 minutes a week spread over three days. You can probably add like, like Joe, you should probably do this. Like you could probably aim gain 10 miles an hour club head speed with like 10 minutes a day, three days a week, which would translate to like 25, 30 yards. Um, the rollback, like, I, I don't want to hear people saying like the rollback took, like I, I'm a four yards shorter now, like fine. Then, then 
the Joey Simons and the Nick and the Nikki Sixes and the Brian Romies of the world are going to go beat you because we're going to put a little bit of effort in and we're going to gain that distance and more back. If I may, and I'm yes. sorry, to, I, I just have to interject. All of this rollback and losing distance talk implies that you're hitting the ball consistently enough to fucking know the difference, and you're not. So I'm just going to throw that out there real quick. I 100% agree. I, I was playing with a guy on uh, on Monday, and he was he was he. No offense, great guy. Had had a great time, but he was in He's the not complain. He was in the complain crowd. He was like, yeah. you know, why should they be stealing my distance? And I said, yeah, I, I hit my driver between two hundred and twenty and two hundred and sixty yards. How the hell am I going to know if it went two yards shorter? Like, <laughs> love it. Th- th- that's the bottom line. Love it. Um, there are, there's like the traditional things. The the clubs with the weight at the end. Super Speed was the first, the first company to do it. Um, the sack, the stack system came which is so advanced. It's like an app that it is, it's insane. All I, I, I will not bore you, Joe, because I can see this like glazed look. Come no, over keep eyes. going. I love the it. The stack system is the Rolls Royce of speed training. Um, and it, it never really stops. You do like a series of like two to three to four week programs. And it, it tells you what to do, when to do it, how much to do, how much rest to take. It's all AI driven. And the more people who use it, Whoa. the more fine tuned it gets. The, the better your results are. Um, I got like a whole 25 minute demonstration of it. And I was just like, this is incredible. Um, Immediately. But, I'm wearing a tinfoil hat. And I think that's just, that's just a company trying to steal my data. That's, that, that's all. It's that a, is. it is a, it's a data company. A very, it's a very nice Canadian. Yeah. And Marty Jertson, who's like the ping engineer who like plays in the PGA championship every other year um, who created this thing. So, so, yeah, it's people we can trust that we know that we really like. Marty's going to sell it to Google in in ten years for about a billion dollars. Yeah, well, I, they can take my money for all, for all I care. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm killing your momentum. Go ahead. Um, okay, the last, the last like club with a weight on it that I want to talk about is probably the coolest story that I heard in the PGA show all week. Let's so go. I went to visit these guys. It's called Speed Toad, and <laughs> I know. It's, it, if you think that's funny, go like, on. Just wait. So there are these guys who created this thing basically by going to Home Depot and getting a bunch of different washers and, and fixing them to the shaft of their clubs. They took like a Callaway driver, they took the head off, and they're putting washers on the end. And they figured out like what weight they needed for this thing to um, actually help them gain speed. And the things I talked about earlier, stack system, super speed, like super speed is three clubs. There's a light one. There's one that's rep- recreates the weight of your driver. And then there's like a heavier one. Mm. They figured the heavier one is actually worthless because it, sol- it slows you down. It doesn't help your like neuro, neurological muscles, whatever it is, like something in your brain. I, I don't get it. But they, they realize the heavy one doesn't matter. The one that replicates your driver, like just use your driver and then, so they made this, they made this weighted one. That's the perfect weight that goes on your shaft. And instead of like creating this product and then marketing it and selling it, they created it, used it in their garage for an entire year. They're, they're professional long drivers. They beat Kyle Berkshire in long drive training with this product, keeping it to themselves because they did not want their competition to hear about it and get their hands on it. And then finally, like after they, basically ascended to the top of world long drive they're like all right it's <laughs> it's time to start selling this thing to the public and then they launched speed toe which just launched um on black friday which i thought was awesome these guys were super cool um 
and it, and it basically this thing is a, is a weight that connects to the head of your club. So you take the they have a, an adapter for all the brands: Titleist, Ping, PXG, Callaway, TaylorMade. So you tell them what driver brand you have. You take the head off your driver. You put this thing on. You train with it. You put your head driver head back on. You train with it. You go through the thing. Um, and apparently, if you do this, you you could become an elite world long driver. I love what's happening. You're trying to eliminate twelve clubs. You're just going driver and putter. Just hit it far and make putts, and everything else is going to take care of itself. That's that's the philosophy in twenty four. Pretty much. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on this too much. In the speed training world, there are also, in addition to like the weighted clubs, there's like resistance training. So there's like the bands. There's the there's the golf forever, which all we've all seen Scotty Scheffler like pulling this thing mounted to a door. Um, you know, there's a few different brands that have have similar kind of resistant bands. Um, there's an app, the Fit for Golf app. I didn't check that out at the PGA show, but it's another like resource you can use to increase your speed. The last note on training aids I have, however, is not speed. It's not distance. It's just the amount of tech that goes into training aids and the amount of options you have for how techy you are for your training aids. Joe, I found the training aid for you at the PGA show. It's $20. Yeah. It's a red magnetic rubbery thing that, that sticks to the face of your putter. It's called Jetto Putt. Like a, a middle school or a high school girl came up to me. Demoed the whole thing. She's captain of her school golf team. It basically eliminates your entire putter except for the sweet spot. So if you hit it off the toe or the heel, or even like fractionally off the toe or the heel, your ball is going to go at like a 45-degree angle off to the side. And if you hit the sweet spot, it's going to be like a regular putt. It's simple. There's no tech. It's straightforward. Boom. Now you're talking. Your boy Marty's trying to steal from everybody. This this young 14-year-old is just trying to have people make more putts. She's not in it for the money yet. She's she's not in it to get data. She's just trying to help people. What a, what a, what a stocking stuffer. Hey, look, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. What a gift to give your sweetie. What is it called? Jello? Jetto? Jetto. Jetto. Jetto putt. J-E-T-O? That's it. What does that mean? Did you ask her? I didn't get that far. See, that's why you need me because that I, I wouldn't care about the product. I'd be like, what the hell does Jetto mean? What is that like an acronym? Is it like your nickname? What does that mean? On the opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> tell me. We've got two of my personal favorite. Two thousand dollar putting aids. <laughs> the DeWiz <laughs> training aid. I forgot about that. You talked to me watch. about this on the on the lost recording, but I forgot. DeWiz. Yes, it's so good. It you. It's a watch that doesn't tell time. It's a watch that tells swing path and swing length. And what you do is you tell DeWiz, I want my path to be this neutral. I want my backswing to be this short or long. I don't want it to be any longer than that. You set these parameters. And what DeWiz will do is the instant that you stray from those parameters, it shocks you. It will literally shock you if your backswing is too long or if you take it too far from the inside or too far over the top. Mm -hmm. um, it measures, I don't know, maybe a dozen different data points. So you take one swing with this thing. You don't even have to have a club in your hands. It will create a 3D animation of you swinging the golf club with all these data points. It'll say how your peak hand speed, your transition, how how close, how your club path is, how long your, your swing is. Um, and again, you can set these you know, these goals, like I want my path to be this neutral and you can get shocked if you stray from there, which seems like a really quick way to learn a proper golf swing. 
The other thing, uh, the, the last training aid tech I will talk about is called Sportsbox AI. You just film yourself. It's an app. I know. You're, How long you're, do they spend on that name? So, Sportsbox AI? So Jesus. This. You Sorry. just film your swing, and it's an AI. It will, again, create a 3D animation of your swing with, like, all of the data points, your, your shoulders, your pelvis, your hips, your knees, and it'll basically say, like, your your ratio of shoulder turn to pelvis turn was this, and it sh- like, and this is what it does on PGA Tour. So this is what you should be going for. And again, breaks down your swing, teaches you where you're going off, and it'll prescribe like the number one area to improve. Like, okay, you're not turning your shoulders at all. That's the biggest problem in your swing. Here's how to fix it. It'll just keep refining your swing until you have a good golf swing. How many of these things? <laughs> just so, so annoyed. I love it. It's not annoyed. It's just I can't think of any of these things other than gimmicks. How many of these things would you buy and incorporate into, let's say, your warm-up routine, your exercise routine, part of your golf life beyond the next six weeks? Like, do you see any of these as long-lasting remedies or maintenance tools to improve what you do in relation to golf? Um, I will not be shelling out any of my hard-earned money on any of sure. these things. I would recommend to a friend interesting, interested in investing in their swing, I'd say try the DeWiz. It's really cool. The shot collar. The shot collar <laughs> for your golf swing. Um, I feel like that's a good way because a lot of the weekend warriors who, who play once a week, then they have jobs and families throughout the week. Like my swing might be completely different on Friday as it is next Friday. So to stay in the same patterns and, and to kind of keep some consistency, I feel like the shot caller is probably pretty effective. Um, I think I'm going to, I hope, I hope I'm going to demo sports box AI, your, your favorite of the bunch. Um, and Best just name see, certainly. And just see, um, again, I feel like some of these things have the ability to ingrain some consistency into your swing by like, if, you know, I fix one thing this week and then I don't touch a club for a week and I come back in a week and the same problem is gone. Normally, I would think I already fixed that. But if I come back and it's like, no, you dummy, you completely reverted, then it would kind of keep you accountable. Um, I will say I did use a couple of like infomercial training aids. Mm, um, now you're you know, talking. There's... I... I... I, I got like a 15 minute lesson from Martin Chuck with a thing called um, the impact sling. And yeah. that, that changed the way that I take the club back. And I've had some, I've had some really good feels with that ever since. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's, it's more my personality to be, to be baited into this kind of stuff, hook, line and sinker, um, you know, for better or worse. If, if you're not the kind of person who seems interested, then it's probably not good, but um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I put a couple to the test. W- one thing that like helps you um, shift your weight in the right spot, like it, it makes a click and like you want to hear the click at the top of your backswing, not like when you're trying to actually come through to impact. Again, it kind of just highlights where you're at and, and keeps you in the it, it builds some consistency. So I don't know. Th- there's things that I think are useful. I think they're all overpriced. Like this, yeah. this little board that makes a click, I think it's like 130 bucks. So I would never, I would never spend that. But like, if it, if it's there and you can kind of do it and get some insight into your golf swing that you can take away beyond the time you're using this training aid, then that could be cool. 
Maybe I just watched too much Shark Tank, but I can't stop thinking of the presentation that they would give. Got to slice. Got to hook. We got to whiz. Like, <laughs> just no good. It's no good. Oh, man. I hope, I hope that becomes, like, the best product of 2024. Yeah, well, actually, they released it last year. It doesn't seem like anything changed. Um, so <laughs> I don't think you're going to see any any news from it. But I want to I create a YouTube channel just so we can, like, make you try all these things. Yeah. And, like, force you to use them and give your honest review there should be like joe's training aid reviews and joe's just a curmudgeon who hates training aids and only wants to play by feel yeah well i mean that's the reality so let's give it to the people we should do it okay let's get to our mad golfer of the week this is a course you played nick in the greater orlando area winter park is a town right that's an actual city isn't it yes Okay, so you went to Winter Park. You played the Winter Park Nine. Should I give the Mad Golfers, or should should you give your Happy Golfer review first? I'll give. Um, yeah, actually, I think you should go first. I think okay, you should go first. Yeah, it is time for the Mad Golfer of the Week. We're going to the Winter Park Nine. We have two this week. First, Joshua Seal quote walks up to play an afternoon round at five fifty five. The guy from the pro shop comes up to me and says, "Can I help you?" I mean, I'm walking up with my clubs, and I play on tour in Asia. Rudest guy ever won't go back. That hits a hallmark of what we talk about, someone saying how good they are at golf. Not only is this guy good at golf, he is a professional on the Asian tour. Not bad. Why do you need to tell us you're not going to go back? If you're playing professional golf in Asia, it's it's probably not like this is the course down the street from you. Like I think yeah. we can assume that you're not going to go back. Also, there's probably some bitching courses that you could play in Asia if you were on the Asian tour. So why, yeah, why make the the pilgrimage all the way to Florida to play this nine-hole course? One more. This is from Marlene Freelove. Great name. Quote, I'm here on a Monday. Lots of new people. Friendly customer service is lacking. Three people working. Very interesting. That was a one-star review from Marlene Freelove. I don't get the point of of three people working. It seems like two more people than every other nine hole course I've ever been to. Is she complaining or is she saying there's so many people and yet not one of them could be nice? I don't really get what we're supposed to take away from that piece of information. Maybe she meant to hit like four or five stars, but accidentally hit one star. Either way, congrats, Joshua and Marlene. You are the Mad Golfers of the Week. Nick, you played this track. This was not your experience. No, Marlene's review, just to, just to kind of go back to that, it looks like something she typed in another language and put it in Google Translator Fair. and then copy and pasted the result because um, it's not completely adding up to me. But uh, no, not my experience at all. Um, I played the Winter Park 9 based on the recommendation of every YouTube golf channel out there. Uh, this course was renovated in like, I don't know, like 2016. And it's just like, a cool nine hole course, like very vibey. Uh, I think it's like 2,400 yards, par 36, like no long holes. There's a couple, there's one or two par fives, um, but like 250 yard par fours. Um, and it's like, you know, when you're in a city park or like when you're in Europe and you're in a park and there's just like the street with like kind of busy traffic going through and then like two steps away, there's just a big park. That's exactly what it's like. There is no barricade between this golf course and the road and the houses across the street. It's just like playing golf in a park. Um, it's really cool. There's really cool bunkering. The greens they've that they've redone are like 
really interesting. There's like lots of undulations, but it's not like super challenging. You don't feel like you're at Augusta. Uh, it goes through, it goes around a cemetery. It's it's just like, it's just really, really nice, vibey, $2 beers, huge patio. Oh. I had very friendly customer service, three people working. Um, it, it was a great time. And you play with three randoms? I played with three randoms, one of whom is a PR contact that, that I've had ever since I've worked at Golf Link. Oh. And um, he introduced himself by his first and last name, which is the only reason I made the connection. Um, actually had a meeting set up with him like three days later at the PGA show. Anyway, oh, my so, God. That's great. Yeah, it, it was cool. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it really like my, my takeaway from playing this course was like if you grew up in Winter Park and like started to play golf as a kid and this is where you played golf, which is exactly where you would learn to play golf if you grew up in Winter Park you would question why there are like six to 7,000 yard courses and why somebody would spend five hours on a golf course and yeah. why you would need to play 18 holes and why you would need 425 yard par fours, because this seems like better golf than that. Like it, it seems like more what we should be doing, like out there in the sun, having a good time, still hitting every club in the bag. Like you can still hit driver off, like pretty much all the par fours and fives. Um, it was just, it just made way more sense as golf than what we do every weekend. This is the correct path. Nine hole courses. I really like facilities that have three nines. Um, I don't know if I told you, but Lace and I are going to the big Island at the end of February and we're no, staying. No, no, you left that out. Yeah. So th- it was, a, it was an ice storm hit Portland and we're like, we gotta get the hell out of here. So we're we, going to Hawaii. Yeah. So we booked a trip. Um, but we're staying near Kona. Uh, the, the name of the town escapes me. It's like 20 miles north of, of Kona. But there is a really nice facility with three nines. And I thought, that's great. I'm going to bring the sticks and I'll play one of the nines. Like, I'll just wake up and play a nine every morning that I'm there. And it's it's going to be such, such a great way to experience it. And I'm really excited to do that, not just on that trip, but I think sort of going forward this year, especially with the way the world handicapping system is going to work. It's yeah, going to, you'll get a, you'll get a full 18 hole score. It's going to be great. You're, it, it is going to incentivize golfers to play a quick nine, which I think is really good. And also it'll still keep you in the heat of competition and have a true handicap. So I'm really excited for all that. And yeah, I do think generally speaking, nine holers are great because I have a lot of friends like you, Nick, that have young kids and it's way easier to meet them for like, a super early nine at like 6 a.m. or like a super late nine at 6 p.m. And it doesn't put the same pressure on you. And anyway, I'm I'm very excited for the concept of nine holes sort of being what I do outside of competition. Yeah. I hope to play a lot more nine hole rounds this year. And one of the things, and like who knows how it will work out, but in my head I'm like, if I'm having a good round, I might not realize it until I've like just made a par on the seventh hole. And like, there's so much less opportunity to squander it rather than like have a slow bleed on the back nine over like the last 10 holes and just like give it all back. And so I, I don't know, maybe, maybe playing nine holes can, can help my handicap this year. So if your meltdown usually happens at 12, maybe you can trick yourself into being like a 15 handicap just by virtue of having less opportunity to screw up. Right. And then if I if I am a 15 handicap, I'll believe I'm a 15 handicap because the USGA <laughs> is telling me that I'm a 15 handicap. That's right. I love it. OK, let's move on to Nick Rules brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout. This one probably doesn't need to even be stated. I think we're all familiar with rule 4.3 <laughs> oh. um, in the rule book. Um, but since we were talking about training aids, I'll just refresh your memory here. Uh, 
You may use equipment to help your play during a round, except that you must not create a potential advantage by using equipment other than a club or ball that artificially eliminates or reduces the need for a skill or judgment that is essential to the challenge of the game. Specifically, not allowed use of any type of golf, training, or swing aid. Yeah, okay. So so don't pull out your Jetto when uh, you're on the green. Uh, no Jettos, no, no shot callers. Uh, you know, no golf forevers between holes. Um, yeah. Sorry. Leave them at home. I love it. Leave and that is Nick Rules. Couple of uh, administrative items. I was on a meeting this morning and uh, I work with someone out of the UK and it randomly came up. He's, he asked, hey, you're going to be coming this way anytime soon. And I'm like, actually, as a matter of fact, yeah, we're going to be going to Scotland pretty soon. And he's like, oh my God, that's great. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm going to Troon for the Open, playing golf with my dad and my brother. He's like, hey, uh, I know somebody who's a member at St. Andrews, um, and I know it's going to be pretty busy, but if anyone could get you on that course, the old course, it's this guy. And then he said, do you want me to ask him? <laughs> I almost spilled my coffee all over everything. I was so excited. So who knows if it's going to lead to wow. anything, but it, I mean, whoa. It's a solid lead. That would be, yeah, it's better than what I had. Enter lottery, hope for the best. Um, other, A few other things, Nick. Um, Gretchen Yoder, our old pal, responded, so hopefully... Going to get that interview set up with either her or her boss, who is the senior director of handicapping. She actually said in her email, because we're talking to her about the handicapping changes, that they are like running around like mad trying to get par three courses done. Basically, yes, which I was really surprised by. So fascinated to hear about the prioritization, how many they're going to get done. And if this is a nationwide thing, if all states are doing this, or is Oregon like, no, we're going to get ahead of this and rate all the par three courses so people can have a truer handicap. Seems like Oregon would be a pioneer of rating the par three courses. It it does sort of fit in with like our beer culture and everyone rides bicycles everywhere. And yeah, so hopefully a par three course near you, if you're listening in Oregon, is going to be rated this year. So you can. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be really weird that that's happening. Um, posting is like in a month. We're like less than yep. 30 days away from right now in Oregon being able to post scores, which is a thrill. And also, me and Nick both took a mental game quiz. I haven't got my results yet, Nick, yeah. but I hope to share that on the pod next week. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, um, I got mine. It was spot on and eye-opening, like in a way that, not to spill too much, but um, it articulated something that I've always kind of felt but never really defined. And um, really excited it, to talk more about it and, and see if we can uh, just just talk about it and see what we're going to do about it. Do you mean just related to golf or your personality as a whole? I think it's pretty specifically related to golf. Okay. So it's not like you share this with your wife and she was like, yeah, of course, obviously, I've known that for years. No. And in fact, if I told her, I, I, she has no idea. I took a golf um, personality <laughs> quiz because, um, you know, it's just not the kind of thing we talk about. <laughs> you got to have some secrets, right? You got to have something for yourself. It's not, it's not a secret. It's just like, you know. Yeah, she doesn't um, give a shit. Know, how, I get are, it. How, are the, how are the children doing? Yeah. Yeah. Not like, Nick, how's, how do you think your mental game is going to be for 2024? Yeah, she doesn't care. There's no way I'm going to tell Lacey about this. She doesn't care, <laughs> and nor should she. She puts up with enough golf nonsense as it is. Exactly. The moral of the story is we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up in February. Posting season is right around the corner. I'm sure if you want to learn about these training aids, Nick is going to write all sorts of articles on golf link about them are you are you starting um the content I farm i i have to get a little bit organized but yes i will probably write 
I'm going to write a lot of content on training aids. And um, look, the bottom line is if, if you read my content like every day and every week, I'm not trying to push training aids on people who don't want them. Sure. But there, there objectively are a lot of training aids that, that can help a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's great. It's like if you write for a wine magazine. If you're not into wine, don't subscribe to the magazine. But if you are, I got some stuff to say. Exactly. Pebble Beach this week. I love Jordan Spieth. Thank you so much for, for listening. Tuesday is the new Monday. Tuesdays from now on. Get used to it. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.